Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Du L, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is um, Friday, August 26, 2016. Today we're reading from the Big Book, um, the AA Big Book, and we are on page 94, the last paragraph. Your candidate may give you reasons why he need not follow the program. Um, all of the program, and we're going to read through two paragraphs ending with, tell him that if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. We'll read the first paragraph for contents, and the second one we'll focus our comments on. Uh, today's readers are Kimberly L., reading the 12 steps, Diane G., reading the 12 traditions, and the readings for the main text are Nancy H., Lisa H., and Janice B. The reference number for yesterday, Thursday, August 25th, is 9027. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through share, experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Kimberly L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Kimberly L., recovering compulsive overeater from Georgia. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I pass. Okay, thank you, um, Kimberly L. I will now ask Diane G to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G from New Hampshire. Grateful, grateful to be here today. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should be made forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Okay, thank you, Diane G. Um, Our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. There, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions of the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the AA Big Book on page 94, the last paragraph. Your candidate may give you reasons why he need not follow all of the program. And we will read through two paragraphs ending with Tell him that if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. We'll read the first paragraph for context, 
And then the second one we will focus our comments on. Um, and I will now ask Nancy H. to begin the reading. Good morning, everyone. Your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all of the program. He may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning, which requires discussion with other people. Do not contradict such views. Tell him once he felt you. Tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you would have made much progress had you not taken action. On your first visit, tell him about the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. If he shows interest, lend him your copy of this book. Unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, do not wear out your welcome. Give him a chance to think it over. If you do stay, let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes. Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. If he has trouble later, he's likely to say you rushed him. You will be most successful with alcoholics if you do not exhibit any passion for crusade or reform. Never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they worked with you. Offer him friendship and fellowship, and tell him that if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader. Today, I, I, as I was reading this actually last night, um, I realized that, you know, that I had been doing it wrong at the very beginning, but I'm learning as I go along. And after the first visit, they say you've outlined the program of action and you've shared what has happened with you. Then I take it you don't ramble on trying to convince him of what he must do. You just humbly share your own experience. And I, that means I don't have to evangelize. I don't have to try to convince my prospect because I'm, I'm really not responsible for the outcome. God is in the results business. So that's where my man will get his willingness if it's time. And if I've shared how I was and how I got out of the, the eating prison that I once lived in, my job is done. You know, I planted the seed. Uh, unless the person wants to talk more about his story, I should just leave. And if the prospect does seem enthusiastic, like it says, I lend him a copy of my book and ask him to read it. So my purpose is to offer him help in a friendly manner. And um, I've been in a way for many years, and even though I'm a power of example that the program works, you know, people ask what I'm doing, and very few people that I explain it to come to OA. Um, most of the people I work with are still, you know, they're still suffering compulsive overeater within the rooms or a person who's in relapse and more desperate than the last time. And that doesn't mean that they're always willing to surrender. It just means that they want, you know, they're desperate and they want help. It depends on whether they want to do the work or not. So once I've laid out the spiritual tools and I've identified what the problem was for me and what the solution was for me, you know, the willingness for their recovery is their responsibility. And I noticed many times the seed is planted, and I don't see people for a long time, and next thing you know they come you know, because the disease, the food has brought them down to their knees again. So I keep in mind what it is I have to offer and, you know, that it's my own experience only. My natural inclination used to be to want the person's recovery more than they did, but now I'm learning to let go when God shows me that the timing is not right, and that means I should try to help another person, you know, who's ready for the message. So if the person just wants to be pampered and wants sympathy, after he's already picked up the food, I know it's time to let go because I really have no solution to offer once they've taken their will back. Um, 
and if he keeps rebelling and doesn't use some of the true and tried solutions that have worked for others, then, you know, maybe it's time for him to practice some more compulsive overeating. And I used to think that was a rude statement. But now I'm realizing that sometimes a person has to get in a state of desperation even lower than they already were and that they'll come back when, when they're ready and willing. So um, with that, I think I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. And thank you for your service, too. Okay, thank you very much. And um, Nancy H., uh, we will open it up for sharing. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? All right. Nessa R. Larry. Larry K. Melissa C. ADF. Katie F. Okay. All right. Why don't we start with those? Nessa R., Larry K., Melissa C., and Katie F. Um, great. Nessa Thank R, you. Yeah. Um, good morning. Um, the vision for you. This is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, I think this paragraph delivered to me a very uh, succinct message. Don't push. Don't, put, don't pontificate. Don't sermon. Don't try to convince. It's not up to me to try to convince. Uh, it's up to me to, to plant a seed, you know, because I cannot make a person willing um, to do what needs to be done. You know, I can only um, show the way, show what I've done, share of my experience, strength, and hope. And I, I find that not only in the rooms, but outside of the rooms, you know, I've seen a lot of people um, in, the, in the circles in which I travel struggle with weight, you know, with diets going up and down the, the scale, just like I have. Um, and, and, of course, they've seen me. And as I have recovered and have kept um, um, a weight release of over 70 pounds for the past uh, four and a half years, people approach me and, and they ask me, like, what have you done? What did you do? You know, tell me about it. And I, I give them just a little bit, just a little nugget, and then I say, you know what, but call me if you're interested. We can talk more. And invariably, they don't call. Um, you know, people may want what I have but may not be willing to do what I do. And I cannot make them willing inside the rooms or outside the rooms. That's something that they have to do themselves. And so my pushing and sermoning and pontificating and trying to convince them um, will not help any. Uh, if anything, it might have, you know, a counterproductive effect and turn them off. So all I need to do is just tell them my experience, strength, and hope, be friendly, plant a seed, and let God and themselves uh, do the rest in terms of willingness and maybe they'll become willing and maybe they won't become willing but I have done my job and that's all I need to do and with that I pass okay thank you Nessa R uh, Larry K you're up thanks to um, Larry K recovered compulsive reader so it says, sometimes a man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. And it says, this is sometimes a mistake. So I'm learning it's not always a mistake to get started right away uh, with someone who's anxious to do so, but sometimes it is. And, I, you know, I've become more discerning over time, you know, as to who to proceed with uh, right away. And, and while, while there's no doubt we hear on the lines that it's a race to get through the steps quickly once we begin the process, it's also true that some people – 
uh, like myself years ago, were simply not ready. You know, um, and, 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 you know, here are the things to listen for. I mean, I was still trying to control. In other words, while my life was completely, utterly unmanageable, I was telling this prospective sponsor what I needed. You know, and I wish someone would have said, Larry, you know, do you have any idea how absurdly arrogant and self-centered it sounds for you to tell me what you need? You know, with love and tolerance, I ask you, how would you even know what you need? You know, I, I would try to charm or manipulate this prospective sponsor. I was looking for the guy, you know. I, I tried to, to charm them and impress them with everything that was going right in my life. So, for example, I, I would sort of steer the conversation towards what I did for a living, my, you know, the type of father that I perceived I was, you know, anything that I could use to convince them that working with me would actually benefit them, you know, <laughs> more evidence that, you know, the main problem centered in my mind. So invariably, I would convince one sponsor after another to help me. You know, I want the top guy, of course, and, and I, I, because, you know, I had an erroneous perception that if I get the guru, some of, the, some of his mojo will rub off on me. I, I wanted the celebrity sponsor, you know? And guess what? It has much less to do with landing the top person. I needed to be changed. I hadn't learned true humility yet. Humility is a kind of, of liberation, a, a paradoxical state of freedom from the, you know, narcissistic me first kind of mentality that I had. And, you know, attaining such a state of humility is absolutely a necessary part of this journey towards a, a vital, having a vital spiritual transformation. And for me, humility is about emotional growth where we no longer need to put ourselves above others nor below others we become right-sized. And that has everything to do with, with you know, if, if I'm ready, if the humility is in there, if the level of desperation is in there, I, I'm not going to see this process through. And, and we shouldn't start with that person right away. <clears throat> with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, uh, Larry Kay. Um, Melissa C., you're up. Hi, good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. Um, yeah, I'm just going to talk also about the, the anxiousness to proceed at once and the temptation to do so. Um, you know, I think people really do need time. I know there's a rush, um, you know, to get through the steps, hurry up and get started um, was always my thinking so that I can finish. You know, I wanted to reach some goal for me, usually weight-related, and I wanted to reach this goal quickly, um, often reaching the goal before I actually did any work. Um, you know, and this is, for me, very often the way people begin initially. Either they, you know, I find one of two things. Either I start talking about what it is that I did to recover, and they kind of walk away completely, you know, and that's okay, um, you know, or um, people I meet up with generally, you know, through the fellowship already, desperate and willing, and they seem to be very quick to say, yes, I'm desperate, yes, I'm in need of help, sure, I'm powerless, now let's move on. But, um, you know, finding step one is huge. It's critical that we get this right because so many of us have been chronic relapsers, myself included, that there is some difficulty getting, really getting what it means to be completely powerless and never to regain power over food again never able to eat our alcoholic foods 
no matter how long I abstain. You know, we say one day at a time, but we actually have to come to the understanding that, you know, the food has to die. And this is a concept I think needs time and work to develop. And, you know, as excited as I am to be helpful, I'm not in a crusade or a mission to save. Um, I'm not making any commissions here. I don't get to bank the number of people I help get recovered. Um, I don't get any special badges. We don't get bonus points. Um, you know, I can share what I did, what I continue to do, and allow them to see how it worked for me. I'm calm about it. I don't pressure anyone. Um, I always hated being pressured and coerced. And, you know, the truth is for addicts like us, um, we always rebel anyway. And so that desire has to come from within. But um, I can be friendly and I can offer my friendship and my fellowship, um, which was so beautifully offered to me. And, um, you know, when you're morbidly obese and so full of self-loathing and shame, friendship and fellowship goes a long way. Um, You know, I can do this and then I back off and let the prospect know I'll be here to help if they decide they want this. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Um, And ultimately, I have to believe in God's timing. You know, carry the message, leave the results up to God. And thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Katie F., you're up. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And uh, never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they worked with you. Um, I used to, you know, I would get very gung-ho when someone would ask me, um, you know, why I eat the way I do, Why, you know, just an opportunity to share my story. And I would get so excited and think, okay, this is it. They're ready. They, they you know, they're going to do this thing. And, you know, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, but, you know, we do this not only to help them, but it, it, it gave me one more day. And uh, this past week, I had an opportunity. Um, there's this family at my church who they are all huge. And, you know, I've really debated in my head, is it, you know, poor nutrition? Um, Is it, you know, I I don't know. I don't know why they're all so heavy other than they must eat too much. Um, I don't know if they have this thing that I have. Um, And I had an opportunity on Sunday to talk to two members of that family and um, about program. And, you know, I laid it out, the difference between me being on a diet and um, or just needing to lose weight and, you know, was able to share the twofold aspect of the disease. And the one person lit up like a Christmas tree, like, yes, yes, I understand. I have that thing too, you know, talking about the mental obsession. And the other one proceeded to just give one excuse after another why all they needed was to lose some weight. All they needed was to get, you know, this and that under control. And, you know, that's all I did. All I did was share what I do and why I need to do these things, that it's not just a matter of uh, willpower and losing weight, but the unmanageability in my life and the way that this program has helped me. Not, you know, pointing my, 
index finger and shaking it and saying, you need to do this and you need to do that. That simply doesn't work, as it says. You know, it, it, we don't know what God's going to do. But the thing is, is I shared most of what I shared with the same one who lit up like a Christmas tree six years ago. For six years, I've still been around her, and she's gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, is it going to work? Is it going to stick this time? I don't know. But my job is to keep showing up and making myself available, and I'm the one who has stayed in recovery as a result of continuing to be willing to share what has worked with me. With that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you, KDF. Um, we'll resume our sharing. Um, who else would like to share on this paragraph? Monica T. Hi, this is Corinne. I'd like to share. Okay, so mm-hmm. Monica T. And then I heard someone right Hi. after Monica T. Corinne, this is I'm sorry, somebody from Boom. This is Raquel. If you can get me in. Okay, <laughs> that's what I thought I heard. Leanne Andy from New York. I'm Corinne. Leanne. And Amy someone G. else. Kim G. Before Amy G and Kim G, there was someone else. Uh, Corinne. From Corinne. G. Okay, let me see if I have this. Monica T., Raquel, um, Lynn, I think Leanne. I, I didn't get your last initial. Leanne N., from New York. Okay, Leanne N. And then I also got Karen. I didn't get your last initial. W. W. Okay. And then Amy G. And then Kim G. So we'll start off with Monica T. Monica, you're Good up. morning, Do. Good morning, um, everyone. My name is Monica T. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater presently in Vermont. So here we are in the chapter working with others, and we're being given some very clear instructions of do's and don'ts of how to sponsor um, people, how to be a sponsor. And I was told here with this paragraph, you know, how can I be a help? Use this as a filter, you know. Is this, is this going to help? Well, what is my motive? And, um, you know, don't wear out my welcome. Um, Give them a chance to think it over. And I was instructed, uh, you know, with somebody who calls, and most people that do or have been in a vision for you listening or whatever, I will explain how I'm a guide and, and how I guide people through the process. I, I would guide them through the process of working the steps. And then I usually will say, all right, I want you to think about this. Take this in prayer. Think about it for a day or two, and then if you're interested, give me a call back. So I'm not rushing them, you know, so they don't come back later, well, you made me do this. It has to be their decision, and we know that. You know, we're such hard-headed, or I have to say myself here, you know. Don't tell me what to do or how to do it. I have to be able to make that decision for myself. Do not exhibit any passion for a crusade or reform, never talk down to an alcoholic from a moral or spiritual hilltop, you know, show them, show him how they worked with you, you know, so I will, you know, this, this is what worked for me, nothing else in the decades that I tried to control my eating, my dieting, my everything else, the hypnotism, the the therapist, nothing else worked, 
But going through these steps, getting a relationship with a power greater than me, turning to this power, tapping this power, has been the difference. And how did that happen? Was well, but you know, my guide took me through the steps, and I was willing to work them and do them. And it's made such a difference in my life. What miracles! You know, I, I just, it's just, it's just amazing. And, and I like to share that, you know, and then get back to me if you're interested. And with that, I pass. Okay. Thank you, Monica. Pete, Raquel. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes. Hello. Hi, do. And hello to all my sweet family community. All of you there, you're giving me so much encouragement just by being there. I'm planning a little trip uh, to this to see my children, uh, four of them, two on the East Coast, two on the West Coast, and uh, they'll all come to to, uh, to Boston area to see them. And then all of a sudden, in dire need of all of you around me, because uh, the saying goodbye again is hard and just coming for 17 days. But I'm taking all of you with me. I'm not afraid of the food anymore, thank goodness. It took uh, seven years, nine months, and 13 days to get to that state. And I'm very grateful for that. But to relate to this, to what we're talking about right now, you're also right about not chasing people and not overkill and oversell. Because, especially because of what he says right at the beginning of the chapter, you may spoil a further a, a future opportunity. It's true because there are so many people who were with me in, in this program. I have 37 years behind me. It's only the last seven years that I finally started understanding, you know, what's up, what's down, what's swimming, and what's flying. But thank goodness. But all these people, where are they? You know, they all, they all disappeared. Where did all the flowers go? And the whole thing that they did, oh, yeah, I did that, done that, been there. And, and that, trying to avoid that, yet, yet it is so heartbreaking. You know, the same person even calling me to Israel from New York, three years that I'm speaking with this person. I was trying to convince her just to encourage her to still stay alive and have some hope from one relapse to the next. Look, it said in the one of the previous paragraphs that um, if he doesn't want to buy the whole kitten caboodle because the thing about the, the inventory is hard. Never mind the inventory. With us, the hard thing is, is with the food to even let go of this. The death of food as I knew it. Time. That doesn't exist anymore. And yes, I'll, I'll wrap up. But, you know, with your encouragement, maybe God will send me. Even a blind squirrel can find on the floor of the forest about one or two good acorns uh, to somebody that is that I really will see that things are happening. And meanwhile, just to hang in there. Thank you very much for being there. I love you all. Have a good afternoon day. Bye. I pass. Okay, thank you. Um, Leanne N., you're up. Thank you, Du. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Leanne N., a recovering compulsive overeater from New York. 
um, I'm working with steps right now with my sponsor, so I am not yet recovered. So I'm not ready to sponsor yet, but I'm so grateful for the insight everybody has given me and the instructions in the big book. Um, with this paragraph, since I'm not taking on sponsees yet, I try and relate it to my life because, I mean, my problem wasn't a problem with food. It was a problem with the way I live my life. And this this big book is not really just an instruction manual for how we treat others in program. It's To me, it's really how I am supposed to live. Um, so God is going to present these, these opportunities of service in my life. And I need to use the instructions in the big book to live this spiritual way in all of my affairs. So I look at this and it says here, you know, as the opportunities present in my life, um, give him a chance to think it over. Let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes. So I can do that for people in program, but then do I go barreling back through and take the reins up in my life again? Or do I change my way based on the instructions in the big book? They're telling me here, take a back seat. If you will be most successful with alcoholics, and I changed that in my life too, if you will be most successful with individuals, um, or you will be most successful with individuals if you do not exhibit any passion or crusade for reform. Because I think I know how everybody should be, and I don't. And so I need to take that. I need to take that humility into my life and not have this crusade for somebody else's reform, but just to show through my experience what the spiritual way has done for me through my actions, not through directing somebody else. Um, it says never talk down to an individual from any moral or spiritual hilltop. I'm not better than anybody because I have program. I'm so grateful that I have program. And if I can share this way with somebody, um, then that, that's doing God's service. And it has nothing to do with me or my ego. Um, the last sentence, offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. I'll help because I'll serve the way God intends me to serve. I must ask and listen. I don't control outcomes. I don't control them for my future sponsees, and I certainly don't control them for the people in my life or the circumstances. I just Fine. do the next right thing, and um, I give the control to God. Thank you. I pass. Okay, thank you. Karen W., you're up. I'm sorry, um, Amy G., you're up. Excuse me. Amy G., we can't hear you. Press star one to unmute. Oh, hey, do. Hi, this is Amy G., recovered compulsive over ear, trying to get away from the trash man. Making all the noise. So I think that you can hear me. My name's Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. This this idea about the spiritual hilltop, I, I always have to smile and kind of giggle because I think to myself, hilltop, what hilltop? What spiritual hilltop could I, Amy, as a compulsive overeater, who worship the god of porcelain in a porcelain toilet 10, 15 times a day and my active compulsive overeating, what, what hilltop do I have to come from? 
if I truly embrace step one in my powerlessness and my ultimate inability to fix myself from this disease, I, I don't have a hilltop to talk from. I can share my experience, strength, and hope, but there is no way. And I know that when I start trying to push and I try, start trying to convince, then I know I'm trying to do something beyond what I'm really supposed to be doing in this program. And we all know people that have been in these rooms for decades that we desperately, desperately want them to get this message. And I can think in my head they are a compulsive overeater. I want to help them. But the sad fact is that this disease kills people. And this disease has people in these rooms that are in the program for 10 and 20 and 30 years. It's ultimately when that the spiritual kit is laid before them, but they, they have to be the ones to pick it up. And sometimes it's really hard to see that in the rooms. But my job is to suit up and show up and be there and to carry a message and carry my experience, strength, and hope. I ultimately cannot do it for them. And I know we say this over and over again, but as a sponsor and as for new sponsees, I can't hear it enough that I carry the message. I cannot carry the person. Not everyone who walks into an Overeaters Anonymous meeting is a compulsive overreader, and not everyone who is a compulsive overreader is going to pick up this program and work the program with the desperation, in my humble opinion, that is needed for this program to be worked in its entirety. And that's what I was, dying, desperate, and doomed. So I don't have a spiritual philosophy to talk from because it was only by the grace of God in these 12 steps and my willingness to take some action in complete desperation that I was willing to do and be accountable to what this program asked me to do. And this whole idea of offering fellowship and friendship, some of you all know that I, I train horses to jump, young horses to jump. I train and compete them. And when you're bringing a horse up to a large obstacle to put them over the obstacle, a 1,000-pound animal, just to give you an example of how I see this, you know, I have certain aids that I can use. I can use my legs. I can encourage with my voice. I can use my reins. I can use my body to encourage the horse. But at the moment, if you watch the really good riders, at the moment before a fence, you'll see the, the rider do nothing. The rider will sit there and do nothing because ultimately you can guide a horse to a fence. And I'll wrap up with this. You can guide a horse to a yeah. fence, but you cannot make a 1,000-pound animal jump over an obstacle when it's not ready and willing to do so. It won't do it. I'm sorry. Amy. Can you guys please mute your phones um, so that the, the speaker can contact it? Folks, please mute your phone. Oh, I thought that was my timer. <laughs> I thought no. that was my bell. <laughs> you, you're in the top. you got 10 yeah. seconds. <laughs> okay. So my point is the saying, you can't lead a horse to water, you can't make it drink. You know, you can lead it, but you can't make it drink. It's the same thing. But together, when you give the guidance they need and the horse is willing to jump, the two of you can fly. And then the sponsor is just along for the ride to watch the beauty and the transformation that this program offers. It's not my program. It's this program. And we can fly together. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. Folks, just a kind reminder, please mute your phone so that we can have a quiet line and we get to hear the beautiful shares that everyone has to offer. Okay, now we'll move on to Kim G. Good morning, Do. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. And, you know, when I think of this, I think of myself. You know, you know, 17 years in a way, 
coming back, relapse after relapse, and what did I think? And I hear this all the time, you know, when people call me, yeah, yeah, I've been in OA for decades. I know one step, steps one through three. I just need to do a fourth step. Or I've been in, I've done the steps 14 times. I was in the food on Tuesday, and it's Thursday now, so I'm going to start doing 10 and 11. And this is, this is the problem. You know, if I'm saying, oh, okay, just, just do your fourth step, or, you know, yeah, we'll just try to do a step 10, you know, that, that person might think they can do it, but they don't have the ability yet. You know, I like to think of myself, what were my old ideas about steps one, two, and three? My old idea was step one was, I, you know, I'm fat and I don't want to be fat anymore. Step two, I thought I had to return to the religion of my childhood. But the big one for me was step three. I always would say in the rooms, well, I gave over my will and I took my will back. So really to me what step three was, was God was Santa Claus. And I was going to give him all my wishes. And when my wishes didn't come true, I was going to take it back because I needed control. I can't go into a fourth step with that attitude. You know, steps 10 and 11 is a skill set you learn in four through nine. So how in the world can you do 10 and 11 if you haven't learned the skill set yet of four through nine? So I like to use a visual, too, the same way that Amy did. I'm an accountant, and I, when I first started doing accounting, um, I used QuickBooks, which is just a, a program where you plug numbers in, and it gives you information. And after I lost that job, I interviewed for this job, and it was actually a real accounting job, and I had a psychology degree. And I would walk in there, and I had a list of like 50 to 100 journal entries that I memorized. I memorized them because I didn't understand accounting at all. It was so difficult. It was so cumbersome, and I struggled trying to memorize all these journal entries. And I finally decided to go back to school, and I learned that there's a simple equation. Assets equals liabilities plus owner's equity. I learned when you wanted to add an expense, you had to use a debit. When you had wanted to add revenue, you had to add a credit. I can't even tell you what a revolution that was and how easier my job was once I went back to school because I was trying to do something that I didn't know how to do, so I was memorizing it. To me, that's the same thing when I hear people say, yeah, I know, I know I haven't done the steps, but I'm just going to read pages 84 to 88. There's no depth and weight in 84 to 88 if you haven't done the pages before. So many times we bring newcomers to the chapter how it works and we try to get them to do this, do this work when they have no idea why they need to do the work. You learn why you need to do the work in the, in the, um, the paragraphs before. So this is for the people who are in the food right now. Is recognize. I know you want to do a step four. I know you want to do 10 and 11. But understand this. Start at the beginning of the book and be willing to have a new experience with this book so you can have a new experience with this book and without a pass. Thank you, Kim G. Um, we will continue on this paragraph. We'll probably have time for maybe um, three or four more shares. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Janice. Benny C. I'm sorry, Janice. I think I heard Leah, and I heard someone before Leah. I think Janice. it was Penny C. Okay, Penny C. And I heard someone before you. Was it Janice M. L. Okay, Janice M. L. All right, so we'll we'll take those three: Janice M. L., Penny C., and Leah M. Hi, Dave. Thanks so much for your service. This is Janice M. L. from Pennsylvania. And um, the thing that struck me was, you know, we don't want to push or prize it, this person. Um, the thing that hit me was the wisdom in that we 
read the first five chapters before we really get into the work um, because I get impatient. You know, I want them to get this. And um, I was thinking about how the first five, five chapters naturally slow me down as a sponsor because, um, you know, I want to explain this is the allergy, this is this, and okay, let's get on. I mean, I don't want to, but the addict and maybe impatient part of me um, is so excited for them that I want them to get recovery. So I, I just am so grateful that we have this process of taking a sponsee through the first five steps because it really gives them time to get their head around and think, am I real, really a compulsive reader? Do I really have this thing? And am I willing to do this work ahead? And I'm working with somebody now, and I can just re- see that transformation happening and that that commitment is getting deeper and deeper and deeper um, to, oh, yeah, I really have this thing. And, yeah, okay, I'm willing to move forward. I'm willing to do this, um, you know, this difficult work ahead. And um, so I just wanted to share that that I'm really, really grateful for that process. And um, just wanted to welcome all the newcomers, too, and um, just encourage you to just keep coming back. And uh, I just really hope that you find the miracle in these rooms because it really is an amazing journey, and it um, it does produce miracles in your life. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Janice and Al. Penny C., you're up. Hi, thank you, Drew. This is Penny C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in the Boston area. I'm looking at these last two sentences of the paragraph that we're sharing on Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him that if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. Um, I'm going to just reiterate what we've read before in the book, and we'll read some more, is that, you know, tell him that if he wants to get well and, parenthetically, and is willing, willing to do the work then I will do anything to help him. So, uh, yeah, I believe that it's important not to rush the new new person, to give the, that person time to think it over, as this paragraph warns us. But also, um, in the early days of my sponsoring, you know, I, w- I literally would do anything to help. Anything like like you know, trying to lasso them and and be calling them when they weren't calling me and and um you know and saw how I wanted recovery for other people more than they wanted it themselves, but I didn't see that in those days. You know, I really was another Bill Wilson literally dragging people off the bar stools and wanting to preach to them what a wonderful life this new way of life that I was leading was, and it certainly is, but the new person may not be ready for that. So in talking to, to this person that might be a candidate, um, it's so important for me, again, just to say it one more time, to make my, to have the mindset for myself that, you know, I'm not going to do 100% of the work. It won't it won't be effective that way, that I need to look for the willingness in this other person. Just because someone calls and says, I'm desperate, 
doesn't mean they're willing to do the work. I've seen that so many times. And on the other hand, I still want to be compassionate, put myself into that other person's world. And it's not so hard for me because I was in, I was in the world of those people who were still suffering compulsive overeaters. And I can certainly relate. So um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny C. Leah M., you're up. Thank you. Never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they worked with you. You know, (laughs) I've been in the rooms for quite a long time. Perhaps you have as well. You know, we sadly joke that we see newcomers come in by the hundreds and leave by the 99s. And unfortunately, you know, there's been a lot of watering down in Overeaters Anonymous. You can hardly tell it's even a 12-step program. And, uh, you know, oftentimes people try to sell out to save the newcomer, to give what the newcomer wants to hear so we don't lose you. And, you know, let me suggest to you that we have an inexhaustible supply of newcomers. We don't need to solicit newcomers. All you have to do probably is go to your local OA meeting and you'll find a lot of people there that are still suffering. AA never had to send an invitation because pain drives you here and if you leave, pain will drive you back if you're lucky. If you're lucky. So, you know, what we do is we tell what works for us. You know, realizing that Yes, I am recovered, and God uses recovered people, but I'm merely an agent. We're agents. We're necessary, but we're not sufficient in any change, you know, that really occurs. We can be a catalyst. We can be a catalyst for change. You know, if you made two lines of groups, those who recover and those who don't recover, the line of folks who recover would be very, very short, and the line of folks who don't recover would be endless. And do you know who chooses which line you'd be in? You do, just like I did. There's no evil force out there, and there's no limit on God's grace. Those who recover aren't special. We don't have special credentials. We haven't been appointed by anyone. It's just the pain, the pain, the suffering, the madness, the mayhem, and the torture that I experienced was the invitation to transformation. And so I try to keep that in mind in talking to people that I can give you the best I got. I can give you my sweat, my tears, the pain of my past, everything that I know that I've accumulated through the years of working my own program of recovery and helping other people. But the bottom line is willingness is a one-person job. That's it. You got to get to the point where you throw your hands up, throw in the towel and say, that's it. I'm cornered. Step one is not a pretty and a comfortable step. It is painful because you got to let go of the very things that you hold dearest to you. Like perhaps the cellophane bags and the bakery boxes that might be sitting next to you right now. So anyway, um, you know, (laughs) give it what you got and give it truthfully. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And um, we have time for maybe one more share. Who else would like to share on this? Who has a burning desire? 
this is Laura G. I'm sorry, what's your name? Laura G. Laura G. Go ahead, Laura. Laura G. As in uh, George. Um, I was thinking. Uh, good morning, everybody. This is Laura G. Uh, uh, aspiring to be uh, recovered from compulsive overeating. Um, I was thinking in that in the last sentences as well that um, sometimes the um, through that uh, journey and through the journey, uh, some of the character defects become apparent and um, and help. I mean, I can do. I'm able to be able to define and have assistance with higher with my higher power is helping me see some of my character defects through wanting and trying to help others and um just humbles me that um you know a lot of times I've always thought that or I've thought before that um, there's this systematic dogmatic way this organized way that it's all going to unfold, and um, not the case in my experience. And um, But the more that it unfolds and the more that I keep coming back and keep uh, reaching out and being available when somebody else reaches out and reading the, the material, uh, the more that I'm understanding, as I've never understood before, and I, I just keep realizing more will be revealed. And that's all I got. Thanks for letting me share. And thank you. And I'm gonna take a share here. Morning. This is Duel, uh, recover compulsive overeater. Um, this is such a, a, a beautiful paragraph because, you know, we we know that um, um, sometimes you know it's a hindrance for. Um, Newcomers, they want to start right away. They want to get it going on. And, and what happens is it's like they can't absorb all of it all at once. But because we're compulsive over here, we want what we want when we want it. And, you know, and part of our disease is gluttony. <laughs> and so, you know, part of it is, I, you know, I, I want all the steps all at once. You know, I want to do this all at once. And they, they get into a... Uh, passion for crusade and reform and and it and, and it cautions us it says you know what don't 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 proceed um give them a little bit at a time you know don't make the mistake of you know proceeding all at once you know just take it a piece of me at a time let them absorb the information um and never talk to an alcoholic from a spiritual hilltop don't think that you're better than because you got this you know, you're just one step ahead of the other person. And that's okay. You know, you all you can do is share your experience, strength, and hope and help that person to see where you've been, what happened to you, what it's like now. I mean, what, what happened, what it's like now, and how you have recovered. And that's all you can share, you know. And, and that's a beautiful place to be because when people see your transformation and they can relate to your story, they're, they're more willing to accept what you have to offer. And it's just um, a beautiful way to take these instructions and continue to help others as you, you know, continue to work the program yourself. And we're all in this together, and I'm so glad that we're closing up um, this morning with this paragraph. and continuing to go about this this way. 
And with that, I pass. Um, this brings us to the close of our meeting. Um, thank you for everyone who has shared. Um, just give me a minute here. Something's going on with my computer. Okay, here we go. Um, so thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second hour of unrecorded study immediately um, following closing. Uh, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I will now ask <clears throat> Janice B. to uh, read for us from A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Drew. Uh Good morning, my fellows. My name is Janice B., Recovery Compulsive Reader in Vermont. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.